Hi, Rabbi Schaefer here, and I'm very excited to tell you about the new Schmooze book, The Ten Really Dumb Mistakes That Very Smart Couples Make. Over the past 15 years or so, I've dealt with hundreds and hundreds of couples, and I can't tell you the amount of times I look and say, why are you doing this? Do you understand what the relationship needs? Do you understand what your spouse is thinking? I put together this book to detail some of the really dumb mistakes that very smart couples make, and the book has been extremely well received. We sent out about a thousand pre-publication copies to Chassan and college teachers, to marriage therapists, and the reviews have been really, really very heartening. If you'd like to get a copy, it's available on Amazon, it's available in your local bookstores, it's also available on theschmooze.com. If you purchase it on theschmooze.com, in addition to the hardcover book, you'll also get the audiobook as well as the ebook as a free bonus. If you'd like to do that, please go to theschmooze.com, T-H-E-S-H-M-U-Z.com. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll greatly benefit from it. Thank you. Come in, come in, please. Oh, wow. Brucha haba. Per? Per? Look who's here. You won't believe it. 
Yeah. yeah. How my, do you? My husband wow. had to go back to in-faith teaching. Once he's out of quarantine. Oh, wow. This is, uh, this is... Uh, oh, it feels bring, good. Bring out the... Thanks. Bring out the schnapps. Let's go, Michael Chaim. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How, how are you doing? Baruch Hashem, how are you? Thanks, God. Thanks, God. I also went back to my office during the day now. I'm already also out of, out of quarantine. You were in quarantine? No, no, but I, I, I was... I rent space from the Crones in the basement. They have a sound studio. The kids made the basement to a sound studio. So I used to record there. So... They asked me during COVID to not be there because they have a father who's eld- elderly and uh, sick. So, um, so I was in quarantine. So that just, that just ended. Um, all right, the Jews. I have to start this shortly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's go live on custom stream. Let's use that. Uh, yeah, good. See the crowd shrunk since you left. See? I see. It's but, uh, really shrunk. But yeah. I know that more people come because I hear them. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come people are late. They don't like to come early. Yeah. Um, right. I right, start the webinar. Ooh. Okay. It's started. Want to do come in? Mm-hmm. Okay. Welcome. Welcome. We'll start in a few minutes. Okay, please feel free, if you have questions, you could use the Q&A. Actually, let me know, please, someone please type in the Q&A, let me know if you could hear me, and if you could see clearly, if it, the audio as well as the video is clear, someone please type into the Q&A, that would be very helpful, that will let me know. Um, do not disturb is on, beautiful. But if someone, all clear and sound, it's like, good, okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, good. Um, okay, and I have to make sure that the... Uh, yeah, we're on to any time. We are good. Um, but the one thing I'm not allowed to do is start without my wife. That I'm not allowed to do. This is a, <laughs> it's a cardinal rule. Rule, <clears throat> the 11th really dumb mistake that very smart couples make. Start... Sheer when your wife didn't come yet. Okay, ready, Mrs. Schaefer? Yeah, it's in her honor. It is only in her honor. Baruch Hashem, how are you? Nice to have you back. Thank you, it's very nice to be back. Our class is shrinking. The online is growing. Online is growing. In line and online. Eventually we don't have to, we won't have to worry, we'll just do it all. Uh-huh. Uh, I apologize. We, we we gave up the sheets, so that because people stop paying attention to when I read, they they get very uh, ADD on me. Last yeah. week, I sat down to listen to the schmooze. Ten minutes after it started, I fell sound asleep. And I woke up way after it was See? over, See? and that's why I said I don't care. I have to go. Like I was a little bit scared because I kept saying it's going to be so foggy out, and I said nope, I'm coming. Okay. Right. Life yeah. is better. Life is better. All right, I'm a big fan of recorded. <laughs> okay, so again, if you have questions, please feel free to type them in. 
Uh, if you're on the tour anytime, well, that you can't type in, but uh, we can. But as soon as we restart, we're going to... Yeah, I'm sure we'll start You know how to do that? You have sure. to off. Me? Yeah. And not, so it's enough. Do you want water? No, I'm good. I'm good. By the way, if you're new and you haven't had a chance... Uh, the 10 really dumb mistakes a very small couple to make is available for sale. You can go to the Storm store, you can go to Amazon, or you can go to the Shmooz.com. The big advantage of the Shmooz.com is if you order it there, you get the audiobook, ebook, as well as the Marriage Transformation Bootcamp as a free bonus. If you're brave, you could also join me tomorrow at Wasserman's. We're going to have a book signing, uh, free chalent from 1 till 6. I'm going to be there in Hashem. Uh, and uh, Shulam Brach showed me already the stacks and stacks of Cholent. He's got an entire <coughs> entire cart of Cholent. It's free Cholent for everyone. You don't even have to buy a book to get the free Cholent. So uh, if you'd like to join me tomorrow, that'll be uh, at uh, Wasserman's. Uh, <coughs> okay, now we can start. Except the bag is a problem. I know it's not. Not acceptable. I know, I know. Not acceptable, I'm sorry. You want Okay, I, ladies, I do have to no, we, we have, But we do have to start because every, everyone, who's, no, but everyone who's on Zoom and turn anytime, they're not. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, we're. Okay. Okay? We're going to start? Yeah. Okay. Good. Someone brought notes. Excellent. Good. Okay, so let's <clears throat> let's begin. Okay, so again, Hashem created us for one purpose, for us to grow, accomplish, to gain our world to come. Uh, we're put into this world to, to be given the opportunity to be challenged, to give us the opportunity to grow, to accomplish, to become what we are for eternity. But the purpose for creation is the world to come. This is the prosdor, this is the corridor. Okay. Now, one of the points that the Derech Hashem makes in Chelek Beis, Perk Beis, which is what we're up to, is that free will is a very dangerous entity. Because when you give man free will, but it means literally free will, he could just as easily go this way, just as easily go that way, he might just go the wrong way. And it has happened historically, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize that many, many people have gone the wrong way. But here's the problem. The problem is, that if you go south, you don't belong in the Mechitza of Hashem. Meaning, let's say a person went the wrong way, they don't belong in the world to come, because they're not roy, they're not fit. Hashem is kulo, good, everything is good. And if you're imperfect, if you're a damaged entity, especially if you fall into the category of ra, of bad, you don't belong there, and you're excluded from that Mechitza. Now, that isn't so much a problem because basically there's what we call a kibbutz, a gathering, meaning all of the people who are worthy of being in the world to come will continue to exist, will continue to live. All those people who are not worthy will not. Now, I want to, before we get into anything, I want to focus on something that's often misunderstood. There are three distinct Yom Hadin, three distinct judgments. There's Rosh Hashanah, there's when you die, and then there's Tchiyas HaMesim, each for a different purpose. Every Rosh Hashanah would judge, that has nothing to do with the world to come. That's strictly this world. 
Every Rosh Hashanah we sit in judgment, and Hashem determines my coming year, how much parnasa I'll have, how much health, how much well-being. The events of my year vis-a-vis this world are all determined. Now, largely it's based on who I am. If I've done what I'm supposed to do, then Hashem wants to help me do more. If I've gone off track, then Hashem will judge me in a way to help me get back on track, and I might have to go through different things. But that judgment is strictly to do with our station in the coming year in this world. Okay, that's judgment number one. And judgment number two is when I leave this earth. My body's put in the ground, and I stand in front of Hashem, and then I'm judged for everything that I've done on the good and the bad. I then go to Olam Hashemus. I spend a certain amount of time there. And then when we're finished, the world is destroyed, Hashem rebuilds it, there's Tchiyas Mesim. And right before Tchiyas Mesim, there's a third judgment. That judgment is the time when it's determined who will remain and who will no longer be part of this existence. Now, it's very hard to imagine what that moment is like, but I'll give you an illustration that people don't really think about that much, but that is life only becomes precious when you realize that it might not be there anymore. Find a person who's kind of depressed and kind of down and, and he falls overboard and he's drowning in the ocean. Suddenly there's a a tremendous urge, a, a, an, an, an incredible desire to live because at that moment, life is incredibly precious. Right now, what does it mean to be in the Mechitza of Hashem, to be close to Hashem? We don't know. But when that happens, at the, right before Tchiyas Mesim, and there's a judgment, there's an incredible clarity of vision that every human being sees. They get it, they experience Hashem, they see Hashem right there, and there's an incredible passion, a desire to be close to Hashem, and almost, almost electromagnetic pull. And at that moment, everyone being judged, those who are worthy to remain for the Tchiyas Mesim, remain alive. And the worst punishment is those who are not worthy to remain are annihilated, destroyed, no longer. And that is the ultimate punishment for Rishonim, that they're totally destroyed. Okay, now so far everything is good and everything is easy. The Rishoyim are destroyed, the Tzaddikim live on, and everything is good. But here's the problem. The problem is, what if you have someone who did a lot of good, but also did bad? What do you do with him? Meaning, okay, he went through Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, he died, and he did a lot of good, a lot of good stuff, but also bad stuff. What happens to him? And additionally, what about a Russia? What do you do with a Russia who did a lot of bad, but he also did good? So Hashem judges with extreme mishpat, with extreme justice, and therefore Hashem pays back both in the following way. You see, again, you can't be imperfect and be in the world to come, or at least in Tchiyas Amazing, because Hashem is perfect and you, you don't belong there. So an imperfect person can't be there. Now here's the problem. The problem is with all, you know, with all candor, not a lot of us are perfect. And so what does that mean? Where am I going to be? So hopefully I'm going to make it. Um, th- let me first tell you the good news. Ladies, ready for the good news? As long as you're in the category, keep Shabbos, Kashas, Taras, and Mishpacha, you keep within the basic category of an of a Orthodox Jew, you have a portion of the world to come. But again, here's the problem. And the problem is, most likely, you've done a lot of good, and you've also done some things that are not so good. What happens to us, and what happens to the Rishonim? So Derech Hashem explains that the first layer of correction is in this world. 
What happens is if a person did a lot, a lot of good, but also did bad, they're not worthy in that state. They can't be in Hashem's Mechitza. They don't belong in the world to come. So Hashem will pay them back in this world punishments. They'll have to go through pain, turmoil, stress, disease, illness. They'll have to go through stuff in this world, and that pays back what they've done wrong. So that when they leave this world, they can go to their Olam Haba. And the opposite is true for a Russia. Let's say a person was very wicked. He did a lot of things wrong, but he also did things that were good. Hashem will pay him back in this world by giving him great success. He'll have tremendous financial success. Maybe he'll have a great marriage, great kids. He'll have a lot of easy, good things in this world. So the first layer of paying back mishpat, paying back what a person you know doesn't fit into the totality, is in this world. So again, you judge basically on rove. If you rove good, you belong in the world to come, but you have to go through bad in this world. It pays back and cleans it up. If you rove bad, you're going to be destroyed, so you pay back in this world. Okay, that's layer one. So far, so good? Okay. Now here's the problem. The problem is often it's not enough. Meaning, let's say a person did a lot of chesed and they gave staka, but they also regularly spoke Lashon Hara. Regularly. Meaning not regularly, regularly, but regularly. Like, you know, think about it, send, send over the WhatsApp, you shouldn't send over, say things you shouldn't say. And there's a lot of damage. So what happens is that, that it's, there's not enough pain in this world to pay that person back without totally crippling them or destroying them. And therefore Hashem introduced another level of things. And that level is something called Gehenim. Now, anybody Svarti around here? Good. Because you're not allowed to mention the word Svarti to Gehenim to Svartim because they're real Yerushamayim. And if you mention the word Gehenim, they get all scared. Ladies, I got some bad news for you. Ready? Most likely, most likely we're all going to spend some time in Gehenim. But let's understand what Gehenim is, and let's understand its purpose. Gehenim is a special chesed that Hashem created to allow us to cleanse out those areas that can't be cleansed in this world. So again, let's imagine I did lots of good things, but also did lots of bad things. So the first layer of correction, the first layer of mishpat, is I'm paid back in this world with pain, trouble, turmoil, all kinds of stuff. But if that's not enough, which most of the time it isn't, and then I require Yisuri Nafshi, spiritual punishments, and that, that's where Gehenna comes into the picture. And it seems that most of us are going to spend some time in Gehenna. Now, what is Gehenna? Fiery furnace. No, Burning. Being exposed to embarrassment. Being exposed to well, our imperfections. Right. It, it's strictly spiritual. It's not physical. I'm, my body's in the ground. No I'm no guy with a pitchfork and no no hades with a flames. Seeing and, what we damage ourselves. Right. It, it's that uh, that moment of with absolute clarity, recognize Hashem created me, held me in existence. Hashem gave me every mitzvah for my benefit, and for no good reason, I did stupid things that were damaging right in front of Hashem. But and Shuvah. If we did tshuva, yeah. do we still have no. to suffer? No, works. No, tshuva is great. Tshuva is the panacea. If you did tshuva and really did tshuva, then it's yeah, it's cleaned up, it's gone. But the problem is, the problem is, did you do tshuva for everything? You see, well, if you do tshuva every day, you should be safe. Yes, if you. But what does tshuva mean? Guess what? 
the Orchat Siddiquim explains that Shuv has many, 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 many levels to it. He says, imagine I have a beautiful white coat, and a, the bus comes and splashes mud on my coat. So if I rub it, I get some of the mud off. I rub it some more, I get some more, but there's still a stain. I take some solution, I rub it in. If you rub and rub and rub, eventually everything's gone. But it takes an awful lot of cleansing to get rid of it. He explains that's how tshuva works. Tshuva has many, many levels to it. If you say the words, just saying those words takes off a little bit. But it's the real regret. It's the real charata, the real, that, that, that process of real tshuva Definitely works, but again, it requires the process and it requires. Yeah. If a person's about shiva, and um, like wasn't aware of all the things they were doing wrong when they were young, do they have to sit and go through their childhood and their and and until they from and do shiva for every action? Most likely doing? not. <laughs> Most likely, the concept of tinuk shenishba applies. In other words, meaning um, if you see, there's. What we call Bat Shuvah today usually starts as a Tinuk Shanishba. Tinuk Shanishba means in, in the good old days, the only way someone was brought up Nafrum was if a, a baby was stolen from the parents. Tinuk Shanishba means an infant who was stolen from the parents and brought up in the monastery or brought up uh, whatever by the Cossacks, whatever it may be. And later on, they discovered that they're Jewish and they did Shuvah. So they're not responsible for that which they didn't know. They had no education, no knowledge. So Tinek Shanishba is considered uh, not responsible for what they did. So basically, Bali Tshuva are in good place. Um, now, the problem... To what extent, like if you have, you know, like, you know, no, so like living in America, everyone knows Passover exists. Everyone knows there's Manashevich Matzah. So if you don't hold the Passover, you know that you're Jewish, you know it's Passover, and you doctor don't do it, are you still considered that? So I don't know. You know, it's very hard to know because it depends on your understanding. You know, if you believe that that uh, Passover is just this ancient ritual that has no meaning, and that's what you always thought, maybe you're Tinoch Shinnishba. These, you know, to be honest with you, it, it's really Tzmachlokas in the postgame between the Chazanish and Rav Moshe, what, at what point does a person lose that status of Tinuk Shanishba? Once they had some exposure to Judaism, once they had some exposure to, to Torah, at what point do, do they lose that status? But there's no question, if a person was brought up in Wyoming and had no connection whatsoever to Judaism, and then at 18 or 20 or 22, they, they went to an Arsameach, uh, Shabbaton or a uh, gateway and they, and they started learning and growing that what they did before they're not responsible for because they were Tinek Shanish but once they saw the light they turned it so um, but, but I got so it's good news and bad news in other words what, what a person did before they did Tshuva probably isn't a problem the problem is what we do after we did Tshuva <laughs> because to be honest with you you see this is the great realization that most of us don't get and that is, we're, we were given such capacity and such cr- incredible opportunities that it's almost invariable that we're going to mess up. In other words, the greatness of the human is so profound and our, the impact of our actions, thoughts, and words are so tremendous that it's almost impossible that we don't mess up. And by the way, if you think I'm exaggerating, just read the words of the Machser, on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, really Yom Kippur, just read the Al-Chaitz, the Hashamnu, Maganu, Gazal, it's like, it, it's, I once gave the Mushal, do you remember the bear in the in, in the crystal shop, it was once, it was, Adam Rishon before the Chait was wearing a bear suit, after the sin he became the bear, 
But if you put a bear in a crystal shop, the, the bear can be try to be as careful as he, but he's going to break things. He just he can't help but, do, in a sense, that's where we are at now, where it's almost impossible for us not to sin. Um, it's almost impossible for us not to do things wrong. But again, the reason for that is because we, we were given such opportunity and so much is dependent on us. And especially if you remember from weeks past, the, the upper worlds are dependent on what we do and, and we create upper worlds, we cause them to light up or the opposite, but we're spaced out. And because we're spaced out, we don't realize the gravity of our actions. So it's almost impossible for us not to sin. And what that means in simple language is the first layer of punishment is in this world. That means pains and sorrow, etc. The next level of punishment is Gehenna. Now, I, I want you to understand something that, that's very, very um, misunderstood in the world. Um, is God mean? Is God vengeful? So <clears throat> why did he set us up in this terrible, terrible situation where we can't help but sin? We, we, it's not, not fair. <clears throat> we're going to burn in Gehenna. We're going to get punished in this world. And you tell me it's almost inevitable that we're going to do it. It's not fair. God, why are you so mean? Why are you so cruel? Right? Okay, so the first thing you have to understand is that any reward is 500 times the punishment. Meaning, the problem with the calculation is we don't realize the vast, incredible reward that we get for an action. What most people don't understand is the... the, And I'm in that group as well because I wish I could... I really understood the gravity of our actions, the incredible impact. But the incredible impact means what I do with one mitzvah, what I do with one kind word, what I do with one chesed is, is life-changing. It literally changes the world. It literally lights up upper worlds. It creates a tremendous impact. Now, because I was put into this position of being a human being, and with that tremendous opportunities, you're right, it's inevitable that I'm also going to mess up because this is plan B, I'm in the bear suit. I'm drunk. I'm not. I mean, I'm not in the bear suit. I'm. I've become the bear, um, and in this state, it's inevitable that I'm going to mess up, and therefore, I'm going to have to go through stuff. But the ultimate reward is so tremendous, so worth it, that in the scheme of things, it's it's a very good and and wonderful situation. Okay, so far so good. So we have the tzaddik, the person who did mostly good, but did a lot of bad. First layer of punishment is in this world. That's usually not enough. Next layer of punishment is in the world to come. That's in Gehenna. Now, what is Gehenna? So again, it's the fiery embarrassment, the incredible sense of what was my problem, what was I thinking, what was my issue. And that sense of incredible busha is machaper and gives, pays back some of the, uh, some of the issues wrong. Um, okay. Now, um, the Russia, on the other hand, the Russia who did some things good, so he's given a good place in this world, he's given his reward in this world, he enjoys success in this world, he enjoys great things, and then when he's done, he's snuffed out. Now, not every Russia is snuffed out, some spend some time in Gehenim, but the ultimate punishment is complete annihilation. Okay. That's worse than Gehenna? Worse than Gehenna. Well, what about... Titus and the whole thing with the... Right. So I think the way it works is like this. There's the first layer of... Let's say a Russia, a real, real Russia, wicked to the core. So um, he's done some good, so he's given his success in this world. Now, he may go to Gehenim 
for a while. Um, I don't know why he would, to be honest with you. I don't know why he'd be going to Gehenna unless there's some cheshmer, <coughs> because Gehenna really is a chesed. It's really it's a purification. Um, but it seems that they would spend some time in Gehenna. Then right in that third judgment, right before Tzchies Mesim, that's when they're annihilated, snuffed out. They Like Elsie the cow, the nefesh just evaporates, which is the worst punishment. Why? Because that's... It's only when you're drowning that you recognize how precious life is. And at that moment, when you see Hashem clearly, and you want to be in the mechitz of Hashem, and you want to be close, and, you, and, and you're told, no, it's, that is the worst, um, it's the worst possible punishment, envisionable or imaginable. It's, um, it, that, it doesn't get worse than that. Um, good? Well, no, you didn't answer my question. You spoke... In, in one of the shmuzes, I don't remember the number, right. about Titus and how he's, he's hanging out in, in Gehenna. Right, so he's annihilated right before Tchias Mesim. Again, there's. Oh, so the, he suffers until Tchias Mesim. Right, then Tchias Mesim, the third judgment, and then all who are worthy of being in Tchias Mesim are resurrected and come back into this world in a different form than now, and those who are not worthy are. Snuffed out. What about like Tino Shemishbar that never did? I mean, they didn't do bad, but they didn't do mitzvahs and stuff. Okay, so we're going to get to that in in in, in a minute. Okay. Yeah, but there's still those people who have knowledge of doing this doesn't mean doesn't mean I, I know this mitzvah want to do it, but that doesn't mean that people that aren't Shabbos Shabbos don't do plenty of mitzvahs and they don't. Right, and worse than that, in other words, meaning if you're not keeping the mitzvahs as a Jew, um, I mean, you maybe, I, I guess maybe if you're really Tinuk Shanishba, see, <clears throat> Tinuk Shanishba would mean you're not held responsible, but at the end of the day, you're still not. But you couldn't do anything. Right. Which we're going to get to in a minute. Because so far, what we've been dealing with is what I call the external system. The external system means outside of me. Let me give you a classic example. One of the best shmuzim I've ever said. I know it, and I'm very comfortable with it. I said it to four guys here in Muncie in a high school. Thursday night, I used to say shmuz. Uh, we have how many people here? <clears throat> but there were four guys in the room, and no, no recording, nothing. I didn't let it record. Four, and that was some of the <clears throat> some of the best shmuzim I said. Where the four guys, sometimes in Brooklyn, we started out, suddenly there were 14 guys. Okay, I once did the following judgment. At the time when I was saying my very popular moves in Brooklyn to about 14 guys, Rabbi Reisman, Rabbi Reisman was also saying a share in Brooklyn. But he was saying it to a thousand people. Now, I don't know how much more, I, I'd be hard pressed to believe Rabbi Reisman prepared much more than I did. I doubt it. In fact, he probably prepared much less than I did. Um, and so in terms of the internal work, the change in the person, I would be hard-pressed to believe that he changed much more in that shear than, than I changed giving my shear. But the impact, the effect was vastly different. If you give a shear to a thousand people and you impact a thousand people, there are schusim, there are a tremendous ripple effect that comes back to you, and that's what I call the external system. The external system means nothing to do with you, but external, how you impact others, schusim, uh, merits. Uh, I'll tell you a famous story that I love because it's Rabbi Rodin in Dallas, who's a Chavetz Chaim Talmud, and he's a good friend. He once, a fellow once came over to him and 
totally irreligious Jew and wrote a $10,000 check. Now, this was many years ago, and it was an incredibly large donation for someone who had no connection to the shul. So I wrote and said, tell me, I'm very happy to accept the donation, but what, what motivated you, what inspired you to make this donation? He said, I was in Israel. I was at the Western Wall. And there was a, a Jewish man there, a Hatzid. He was praying, he had the payas. And he was so devout, and he was praying with such sincerity. I, I, I said, I want to support that, so I live here in Dallas. And I asked, where is the place closest to that? I found your shul is an Orthodox shul, so I wanted to donate to, to this cause. Okay, let's imagine Lossi Lovo in the world to come. This Hasidic fellow, who, a Yerushalmi Jew who probably doesn't speak a word of English, uh, comes up to Shemayim, and they say, you know, you because of you, a $10,000 donation was made to the shul in Dallas, and because of that, a thousand Jews learned, and people kept more siddurim, and people, and therefore all of those chusim are yours. The guy says, what's is Dallas? What's is Texas? What, what's that? For whatever the reason, he was the catalyst, he was the gorim, and the Chobos of Oves explained that if you are the catalyst of someone else doing good, it's credited to you. Now, the Chavetz Chaim explains that Hashem is fair. And he explains that if you're giving tzedakah, someone asks you for tzedakah, you give, always give a little bit, you don't have to give a lot necessarily, but always give a little. And if you're worried that the person you're giving it to is not worthy, maybe, uh, you know, not, don't worry about it because Hashem will arrange it. You give to nine not worthy people. The tenth one will be so worthy that you'll get the schusim of all of them having, uh, you know, given it to worthy people. Meaning, Hashem works it out that if you're a worthy person, you get lucky. <clears throat> what does lucky mean? Lucky means you get the opportunity to do things and impact people in a big, big way. Um, my wife is such a person. Have you met my wife? <laughs> my wife doesn't know this. But I'm going to tell the story of Mike. Yeah? Okay. <clears throat> so, Mike... Uh, <clears throat> I was speaking in Rochester, in um, NCSY, and after I was finished, it was a Friday night, and I was finished, this fellow comes over to me to ask a question. This fellow had a, more steps in his haircut and more earring holes in his ears than I could count, and he starts asking me questions, whatever, start talking. Anyway, we became friendly, and we started learning. We, we had a Seder, Mrs. Sharm, and we're learning regularly, and I don't know what, we learned for a good couple of months, and then somehow we sort of we parted ways and we didn't learn for a while. And then one Shabbos, I'm walking into Yeshiva, and there comes Mike the other way. Uh, and I say, Mike, good Shabbos. And he's wearing his jeans and his T-shirt. And, uh, and he says, oh, Rabbi, good Shabbos. Um, I say, how you doing, Mike? Good. What's doing? He said, well, I just got a full uh, a full scholarship to Indiana State University. I said, that's great news, Mike. But he wasn't happy. And I said, why aren't you happy? I, so anyway, I couldn't get it out of him. So I brought him home. I said, come, come to the house. So I brought him home, and uh, I, I put him in front of my wife, and in five minutes she found out the why. It would have taken me two hours. The why was because he wanted to go to yeshiva in Israel and learn, but his parents certainly were against it, and he just got this, uh, you know, this great uh, scholarship, so <clears throat> that meant it was all over. Anyway, my wife said, well, don't forget the scholarship. Let's just go to Israel. Just do what you want. Don't worry about it. Bottom line is, Mike um, went to Israel. And Mike uh, went to Yeshiva, and Mike learned, and Mike learned, and Mike learned some more. I was introduced to Mike's wife uh, when I was... Michal, when, now. Michal, yeah, I was introduced to Mike's wife 
when uh, he asked me, he said he's engaged and he brought his wife and, and they're going to be in Philadelphia in the middle part. So anyway, Mike's parents were there and Mike was there and Mike's uh, Kala. Now Mike's Kala was a ninth generation Yushami. She spoke not a word of English at the time. And uh, Mike wore tefillin all day at that point, was learning a Reb Zilberman's Kolo, and he's still uh, doing that to this day. And I said to myself, one second, let's do the math. Let's say I hadn't been walking down the street that day. Let's say I didn't meet Mike. What would have happened to Mike? Mike would have gone to Indiana University and uh, would have been, unfortunately, like the American Holocaust, would have been, like, unfortunately, the rest of our 90% of our nation. But because that's not what happened, but because I met him and because my wife got a hold of him, and therefore he and his children and everything... So. The means in plain language is you do what you're supposed to and Hashem arranges it for you to get lucky. What am I talking about? I was a high school Rebbe for 15 years and there many times and I was very convinced that there were more productive things that I could be doing. More productive things like digging ditches or maybe uh, sweeping the street because, you know... You, well, that you're doing. That, that's sheer. <laughs> that's, that's what sheer is. So, but if you do what you're supposed to and you put in your effort, it's, Hashem arranges it. You get lucky. And I think all, at that point I've been teaching for 10 years... I think my one schus, I got, I got lucky, I got a mic. What the Chofuz of Ovas explains to us is that there are two systems in the world to come, the internal and the external. And the internal is how much I work on me, how much I grow, how much I accomplish, how much of a balmidos I become, how much I work in Amuna. That's internal. The external system is the impact that I have on others. How much do I influence others? How much do I impact others? How much of an effect I have both systems are, are, are vital, and both systems work in the world to come, and both systems determine who we are for eternity. Uh, the key distinction between the external system and the internal system is that the external system it directly depends on the impact that you have. The internal system is directly dependent on effort and, and not results, but how much effort you put in. So in any case... What we've been talking about till now is the external system. So, again, a person gave a million dollars to Stucker, and he got lucky, and he built the yeshiva, and yeshiva flourished, and became very successful. He gets a tremendous amount of schism. Let's say a person got unlucky, and he gave a million dollars to a, a Torah project, and it went bankrupt, whatever, and nothing came of it. He gets much, much less schism. And therefore, ladies, as a piece of advice, be very, very wise and very prudent in the way you invest your mice and money. You know, we all have limited resources, and if you have a certain amount of money that you're able to use for tzedakah, you have to be very judicious and very, very carefully calibrate where you spend your mice and money. You're looking to get as much bang for your buck. Now, 50% of it at least should go to real tzedakah. Real tzedakah means aniyim. Poor people, um, the closer to you, the, the more the better, meaning and your family first, and, and then outwards, etc. But another 50% can be used, and probably should be used, for different projects. Projects mean anything from a, a hospital to yeshiva, to a chesed project, to kirov, to... But you have to... You, know, you can't give 100% of it to the family member if they're very needy? If, the, if they need it, you could. If they need it and, you, and they can't... Uh, yes, you could. Then you could. Yes, yes, you could. But, uh, you know, if that's the situation, then yes. But if, if it's not the situation, um, again, it's the pecking order in terms of the, the the money that you give to poor people is 
first your family, then the, your community, then your city, then your country, etc., wider and wider. So um, assuming you don't have immediate needs and no one's, you know, your immediate family or nobody's really, you know, banging on your door, so then the other 50% you could use for other type of Torah projects or Kirov or whatever you feel. Chinese auctions. Chinese auctions <laughs> to worthy <laughs> organizations. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but, but see, the point is, if you get the glossy, glittery uh, catalog for the Chinese auction and you know the organization is not doing much good work, it's a poor investment of your MISA money because whatever you accomplish, meaning if you donate money and the, that organization does good work, that's your schusim. If you donate money to save the whales, then, okay, you save some whales, but, the, you know, it ain't going to get you very far in the world to come. So um, so you have to be very wise and very... Uh, very judicious in the way you invest your mice or money, because again, it's it's a big part of your schosim, a big part of who you are. And again, keep in mind, if you do what you're supposed to do, and you you trust Hashem, Hashem will, will guide you properly. You, you know what I'm saying? You, you don't have to be overly, you know, you know, people sometimes get paranoid. You have to do your best, and Hashem will arrange it. You'll, you'll get lucky. You know, you'll get the right people, the right situation, etc. But bottom line is, and that's an external system. Now, by the way, external system are also things like Kaddish, right? You know, we, we say Kaddish for a departed person. Why do we do that? It's an Ilui Neshama. If you learn Mishnayas, it elevates the Neshama of the Nifta. If you learn, uh, if you give Staka, it elevates the Neshama. Of, now, I want to ask you a question. That person didn't change. The person's dead, right? Let's say your father dies, and you learn Shas, and you, you learn Shas Be'in, and you give a million dollars to Staka. Your father didn't change. He's still the same. The answer is, in the external system, those merits are considered, there's a concept, bra, mezaka, obviously, that the son is a, children are direct representatives of the of the parents because the parent is the cause of the child to be in the world. So there's a direct connection. So anything the child does is directly credited to the parents. So therefore, we do things. We say Kaddish, we learn, we do, we do why? Because what that does is it elevates the neshama. It's the external system. It gives them additional schusim, etc. And that's all in the external system. Now, the internal system is vastly different. The internal system is 100% me. How much I fight, how much I battle, how much I win the fights, and how much I lose the fights. And it cuts across the full gamut, all of the midos and all of the chesed and amuna and bitochan, and it cuts across the full gamut. Now, the key distinction between the internal and the external, again, is that the external is based on results. The internal is based on effort. But here's the real, real sort of kicker to this whole chajman. I want you to imagine the following. Imagine a, uh, a fellow, he's uh, 22 years of age, he gets drunk, and he uh, drives a car at, at uh, 80 miles an hour. The police call him over. The police pull him over, and he's drunk, stone drunk. They put him into jail. His father hires the best lawyer he can find, and the lawyer argues a very, very good case. Your Honor, it's a first-time offender. He's an upstanding member of the community, and he, he's a student, and he, he's never done it before. He will never do it again. If the lawyer presents a very good case, it could well be that the judge will dismiss the case and send the fellow home. Okay, good. But what if the same case happens? The 22-year-old fellow gets drunk, drives a car, and 
<coughs> so he wraps that car around a telephone pole <coughs> and <coughs> and is paralyzed from the neck down. At that point, the judge may say, I waive the charges against him, <coughs> but the fellow is still paralyzed. He's not walking because he got into that car accident. The key distinction between the external system and the internal system is that, you know, let's go back to Atinik Shanishba, who never did much in his life. So we have a fellow, uh, a fine fellow. He was brought up in Wyoming, and he, you know, he never had much exposure to, to Jews. And the best he had was uh, Shevitz Matzah once, uh, you know, because his great grandmother said she did not pass over. And he left this world without doing much at all. Okay, so you'll tell me he's Tinek Shinishpo. Okay, you're right. There's no uh, accounting accountability against him, uh, no chajmin against him, maybe. Uh, but still, what has he accomplished? What has he done? Um, what You see, every mitzvah shapes me, molds me. So could he do some chesed? Maybe if he did a lishma, he has something. Um, but, you know what I'm saying? But, but the internal isn't shaped, isn't formed. So Let's say that that person... That may elevate them tremendously. It will elevate them tremendously. Um, How much an effect is way above my pay scale? I don't know, but it definitely has a tremendous impact. Um, And and the best favor you could do your parents is to to do what you're supposed to do. And the worst curse to your parents is when you don't do what you're supposed to do. Um, But but that. It definitely has a very real impact. Again, exactly how much is way above my pay scale, um, but it definitely has a very real impact. And again, it's it's one of the uh, advantages of being a balas tshuva. It's it's a right. It's a the greatest present you could give your parents is to do what you're supposed to do. Because when you do that, and 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 everything that comes out of you is a credit to them. Right? It's an automatic credit. So it's good to be good and not good to, not to be good. Why is it a credit to them? What did they do? So they're responsible for you being here. They didn't kill you when you were a teenager. That's right? good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is well. That is well. <laughs> I think in some ways, not everybody, but I feel like with, with my father, he wasn't from, but he was very like, in, like the Emmas was everything to him. And I think that that... That pulled me towards Yiddishkeit. Like, my search for the Amos is what... Now, that could, then it's much more direct, even. In other words, not only is he responsible for you being here, but he he's... He led you. Right. He directed you. But he didn't really lead me. But he did. But he did, because he led you on a path of truth. He educated tr- you in a certain way. He brought he you up... morals in you. Right. He instilled in you a, a, a love, an appreciation of truth, and that's what led you, and therefore... How do you like them apples? Yeah, how do you like them apples? <laughs> Right. So in, in that sense, um, by the way, anyone who's watching on the, in the Zoom, please feel free to write questions in. I don't want you to think that we're ignoring you. Please feel free to write them in. Not just people who are here can ask. Um, but, um, but again, the, the key, this key point that the internal system is, um, is, I would say, I don't want to use the word irreparable, but it, it almost is. In other words, it's, it's much more difficult to repair it uh, certainly to do, to make up for that which you didn't do is almost impossible. Um, in other words, and the, see, the internal system is the same judgment as we had on the external, meaning the external system, so we had a person who was mostly good and did some bad. So he had to, first he was punished in this world, 
And then the second level of punishment was Gehenim. The same thing happens vis-a-vis the internal system, meaning the you go through various life situations and, and sorrows and trouble and pain, as we discussed last week, has a very, it has a sobering impact, it has a softening impact, it makes you introspective, it changes you as an individual. A lot of times that's not sufficient, and you need Gehenim, and Gehenim does part B. But again, that's that's all in the um, in the external. But the same thing that in the external happens in the internal. Same thing you get through the, this world and and then Gehenna. Okay. Well, you yeah. said there are people that stay in Gehenna until Kriyas I was under the impression that Gehenna was like eleven months or twelve months. Yeah. So for for Yisrael, it's eleven months. For Poshe Yisrael, people who are like really really wicked Yisrael, it's twelve months. And after that, the assumption is no Yisrael is there after 12 months. There are apparently exceptions, because there are various Gemaras that discuss people who are still in Gehenim today, uh, many thousands of years after they left this earth. And that, I assume, is, again, a punishment. Uh, not, not, it's not, not a cleansing, more of a retribution uh, for what they've done wrong, because there wasn't enough in this world to pay them back, so they had to go through that um, what about Acher? Wasn't he like set years and years? 130 years in Gehenna. 130 years. That's a while. That's that's a uh, that's a long stay. Uh, that could uh, can make some toast. Uh, yeah, but uh, in the end, he was allowed into Gan Eden, a splintered down version of what he would have been, but nevertheless in Gan Eden. Uh, okay. But the internal and external, there's a, the punishment system is also based on the external system. Well, both. The punishment system is both. Is the internal and external. So now it's the same way that if anything I've done has encouraged or influenced other people to do good, then I'm going to get slussing for that. But if yep. I have to show if somebody exhibits some behavior that would lead other people to right. be not good, they're being punished for that also. I remember very clearly, I had a friend of mine, uh, I went to MTA, and I think it was when we were supposed to be seniors, or 11th guy, I forgot what, I had a friend of mine who said to me, you know, everyone needs a Yetzahara. I'm going to be your Yetzahara. And he decided he wanted to make me drive on Shabbos. And he didn't succeed, but it was a real, like, he really, like that was, he was going to be my Yetzahara. Like so you could really mess yourself up, because if you take someone down, you know, Did he drive on Shabbos? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're, I guess we're out of school already at that point. We're out of MTA. But, uh, yeah. Um, but that was a line. He meant in all seriousness. Everyone needs the Yetzirah. I'll be your Yetzirah. And and his intention was to, you know. So um, you definitely have this. You know, uh, it's it's a wise person. If you they, they tell, I used to say this to guys in Yeshiva all the time. If you're going to mess up, do it privately. Don't drag other people down with you because you mess up. Okay, you're responsible for you. Eventually you'll clean yourself up. Hopefully you'll pull out of it. But if you drag other people down with you, well, bets are off. Who knows if they'll come back? Who knows what? Don't do it alone. There's some things you're better off doing solo. Don't uh, don't fly with co-pilots on some, uh, on some missions. But the point is, though, that, that you're right. It, the external as well as the internal are punished paid back in this world and the world to come. Okay, now there's one more step that's a little frightening. Here we go. What happens if a person did a lot of good? Did a lot of good, but they also did bad, 
And Hashem feels that that person really is not worthy of being amongst the tzaddikim in the world to come. So there Hashem explains that that person might be paid back his a big part of his olam haba in this world. So for instance, you might have a person who's really, really an accomplished Jew. He learns, he davens, a woman is a tremendous balas chesed, and they might be a picture-perfect, at least to our eye, like they belong in the front row in Aden. But there are various things that they did that were really wrong, inappropriate, etc. Hashem may well pay them back their much of their schusim in this world. They'll make a lot of money, they'll have great success, whatever it may be. And in the world to come, instead of being in the front row, they're in the back row because they were paid back their much of their schusim in the world to come. Um, I often tell people, don't daven for Ashiras, because not only is Ashiras a very dangerous Nisayan, you don't always know why you're getting it. Um, and in fact... That's the, not to say that people that are successful, it means that they're losing quite of them about. No, the Chobos says, you can tell. He says, you can tell what they're given. He says, great wealth is either a bracha, a Nisayan, or a klala. And you can tell how the person acts what it is. If it's a bracha, a person becomes very wealthy and they become much more involved in learning and dominating and community work and they become a much more pious holy Jew. You're looking at a Jew who got a bracha. Hashem gave him a bracha because Hashem knew that this person would focus more on avodas Hashem, would grow much more, and that's a bracha. If you see a person who gets great wealth, and he becomes tart, very busy, his business and his investments, and he's constantly you're looking at a person who's living in an assignment. Hashem gave him that wealth as a test. How is he going to use the money? How involved in money is he going to become? How haughty is he going to become, etc. But then there's a third level. If a person becomes entrenched into materialism, he buys the boat and the yacht, the three houses, the villas, the and he gets really into it, then you're looking at a person who is using up his olam haba in this world. Um, now, those are extremes, but there are many, many levels in between. And again, it's not something to be, uh, not worth dominating for, because again, it's not so simple. That, uh, again, why you're getting it, and how to use it, and, uh, you know, again, if you get it and use it properly, it's a sign that it's a bracha. If you get it and you're busy with it, it's a sign that it's an assign. And if you get it and you get into the material world, then uh, it's a sign that's a call. Okay, so let's let's recap. So again, there are, there are, if a person is a total tzaddik, he goes, Al-Muhammad, total person Russia, destroyed. The problem is everybody else in between who have a lot of good and some bad, or a lot of bad and some good. So the first level of payment is in this world. So if you have a person who did a lot of good, and has some bad, they'll be punished in this world, they'll get the mishpat, the judgment in this world, they'll suffer through stuff, and, and by the way, when you see very good people going through really hard times, it, it you know, people say, why, 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 Hashem, why? I, I don't know, I, I never had that kasha, I, you know, there's, there's such, there, it's a huge chesed Hashem, if you get it in this world, it's it's gone, and it's free, and then you're, for eternity, you you have great, you know, yeah, so again, the first payment is in this world. Um, if you did mostly good and you did some bad, you paid back in this world with pain, suffering, etc. If you did a lot of good, I'm sorry, if you did that, you did a lot of bad and some good, then you paid back in this world with riches and success, etc. And you're toast in the world to come. 
but often that's not enough. So next level is Gehenim. <clears throat> if you did a lot of good in this world, but some bad, and it wasn't enough pain in this world to cleanse you, so Gehenim is level two, it cleanses you out, it, <clears throat> and then you're able to enjoy for eternity. Again, there are three times of judgment. The first judgment is every Rosh Hashanah would judge for this world. The second time of judgment is when a person dies, you judge basically where your level is. Unfortunately, most of us are going to spend some time in Gehenna, which again is a purification. Then the final judgment is before Tchiyas Mesim, where it's determined who will live for eternity and, and who won't. Um, the internal system, the external system, again, is based on how much you impact others, etc. <clears throat> internal system is how much you work on your omidos, and etc. And again, the big, big point of the internal system is that you can't make up for that which you didn't do. In other words, meaning... Uh, you could give lots of money to Sadaka, you could build the yeshivas, but if you didn't grow internally, then you're not, you're, you're lacking. So you really have to work both systems, and then you get to the point where you're, you're the great Sadiq and you get, uh, you get what you're supposed to get. Okay. Um, that's from Mike. Oh, right, that on the wall, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's from Mike. Mike is now, he's married off kids already now at this point. He looks like, I mean... When he was in Philadelphia, he was wearing tefillin all day? When he came back, he was, yeah, he wasn't in Philadelphia, he just came, his so parents, his parents, lived there. his parents lived there, so he came back. Um, he but outside of the sheep, did he wear tefillin all day? Yeah. I mean, he lives in, he lives in the old city, well actually now in the Arab Quarter, not even the old city, anymore. now the Arab Quarter. And uh, again, he was still a little day, and he's learned that he's, he's he is the real deal, the real deal, the real. He's a brilliant kid. <laughs> yeah, he's also right. He's, he's not a kid anymore. Perhaps. When he was. Well, he was. When yeah. We met him. He was eighteen. Yeah. Well, when we met him, he, he was, was a, brilliant, a very brilliant, brilliant kid. kid. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> By the way, someone has a question. I started there Hashem late. Where can I find the shear that I missed? So there. Um, where where can you find the shear that I missed? So they're on the shmuz.com. Where are they? We put them up on Vimeo. We get we, I think they're on the shows. Send me an email. I, I don't know where they are. Any, where are they? The, oh, the, it might be on the podcast, but I'm not. Oh, they're definitely it. on the podcast. Yes. If you're interested, the, we have the Schmooze podcast three, four times a week. We update the the Schmooze podcast wherever you get your your podcast for Spotify or Apple Apple Play. Wherever you get your podcast from, just type in T H E S H M U Z, and you can get all of the. Uh, Derek Hashem Shir are there, the Shmuz Live is there, uh, the quite a number of series, etc. there. Uh, but they're also on Vimeo, and I believe they're, uh, they should be on the Shmuz.com as well. Um, and again, if you have not gotten the 10 really dumb mistakes that very smart couples make, that is the 10th really dumb mistake, not getting that book. Right? And tomorrow, I mean, it's Hashem, from 1 to 5, 1 to 6, you can come and get free Cholent and get a signed copy of the book in Wasserman's in Kugan Hills. I'm going to be there tomorrow, Mitz Hashem, from 1 till 6, eating Cholent and signing books. So if you'd like to join me, you can. Cholent is good. <laughs> anyway, in Kugan Hills, you're more than welcome to come. Also, I'm welcome to come. Yeah, to come to Cholent. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you see when the Seder ends. <laughs> Right. All right. Disconnect. I have a question. Okay. Good. Okay. Was there any questions? Um, 
Okay, actually, let me do one question. When we see someone suffering terribly, and this person is mamish, a pure giving, and one person, why is this person suffering such a sermon? For, from a previous Gilgal, gil, perhaps, how can we judge by the yardstick you, you've outlined? So, all right, so first of all, let's be very clear. It's not our job to judge. Um, and I can't know. I can never know where someone else is holding, and it's not, not my job to judge. But when we're dealing with perspective and trying to get an outlook and, and trying to understand things, I think it's not that hard to understand why. Because a person could be very accomplished and can be a tremendous person and very giving, but we all mess up. We all do things wrong. And to be imperfect, you can't be imperfect next to Hashem. There's no room for imperfection there. So if, if you're there, you have to be perfect. So you've got to either get perfected here or perfected in Gehenim, but imperfect doesn't exist there. So if you're imperfect, then you're not going to be there. So the greatest chesed is to either suffer the pain here, which is quick, and even though, yes, it seems very long, but it really is quick, or in Gehenim, or some other p- point, because without being perfect, we don't, be- we, don't, we don't belong, we can't be there. So that's really the greatest chesed that Hashem will actually allow uh, people. Oh, I see people here who are, uh-oh. People are on the Zoom who are living in Muncie. Uh-oh. <laughs> <coughs> okay. Busted. Busted, exactly. You've been seen. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. You miss Hashem. Previously, most of us are probably our Gilgulim. We, well, we missed that Shir. Derek Hashem speaks about Gilgulim at, at length, and we spent the Shir, I think two Shirs ago, discussing Gilgulim. And most likely, most of us are, have been here before. Um, now, usually, uh, you know, Russia, don't forget, Hashem uses, you know, let's talk about Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a pawn was a prop that Hashem used to accomplish a certain mission, guided and directed by Hashem. Uh, so who who was it that Hashem put into it? I don't know who. Uh, maybe it was a Russian from a previous generation, and Hashem gave him a chance to totally annihilate himself. I don't know. You know, that's uh, way above my pay scale, but it could be. Yeah. It is off. Okay. Well, let me shut this one off also. This is also recorded. I'm saying I don't want to. I don't want to catch it by mistake.